This is alternative interest. It is. That's Kat. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm Crystal. Yep, a rose. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <sighs> well, it's my turn today. Aren't you happy? It is. Yes. And we all know what happens when it's my turn. This is either going to be really bad or it's going to be really, really bad in both literal and figurative sense. Is it figurative? <laughs> is that what it's called? Is it literal and figurative? We're That's off right. To a great start. <laughs> this is going great. You are correct. Good night, folks, and I'm done. Okay, so um, yes, it's my turn, and I have a story for you, and it starts off with a little bit of love. Actually, there's a lot of love in here. You know me and my love okay. stories. I do love I mean, We could have get, there's going to be a lot of love. There's going to be a, a lot, lot of horror. A lot of love and a lot of horror. And this is actually going to be a two-parter. So I know our one or two listeners, like 50% of them, so one of them doesn't mind a two-parter. I think the other one doesn't like waiting. So uh, my apologies. I just only had time for this one-parter. Uh, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Anywho, anywho, proud of you. thank you. Anywho, my story starts with a man by the name of Jared Michael Bullinger, and he's called Mike from here on out, just because that's what he went by. Now, I would like to say it totally fits because I don't know if this is the case for you, but did you know that like. 99.5% of the mics I have known in my life are like all really big assholes. Isn't that weird? Um, like I can't, actually, I was, I was thinking about it. I'm like, no, yeah, that mic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I dated a handful of mics in my life. I don't know why. And they all were awful. See, I've known several Michaels in my life, like Mike Michaels, and all uh -huh. of them have been great. Oh, no, that's not I the case for me. I must have gotten all the good ones and you got all the bad ones? I, I think know. so. Because even like, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago when I dabbled in like Match.com, um, there were several guys I matched with named Mike. And mm -hmm. like... A lot of them were very attractive, but because they were named Mike, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, Moving thank on. You. Yeah. Because I just knew just my experience with Mike. Anyways, same goes for this story. Uh, this Mike is a dick for, for just your information. Actually, he's a huge dick because he's actually six one and he hovered around one ninety two forty most of his adult life. So he's like a pretty large. Yeah, he's 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 a big he's, dude. He's a big dick. Side yeah. note, I literally just listened to an episode today where uh the victim's name was Bollinger and I recently did an episode where the perpetrator was named Bollinger. So this oh, name weird. is just yeah. It's just popular. Michael Bollinger. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I'm sorry for the rest of the Bollinger family, but 
Or I didn't realize it was such a popular name, I guess. Big family line there. So it only makes sense that there's a lot of dicks there, too. Anywho, <laughs> just my two Making sides. friends today. <laughs> Making lots of friends. Maybe we have one mic listening and I apologize. Not really, unless you're a dick, I don't apologize. Okay, so really there's not much on Mike's early life. And at this point, I could care less from what I get to know about him. Okay. In a nutshell, Mike's basically has been and is and was a major a-hole that managed to convince several women to marry him throughout his life. None oh. lasted very long, but he con- he was like, he had to have been very charismatic is what I am guessing uh, for him to, he was married a lot. Let's just say Mike's been around the block five times he stopped at a convenience store and then went around several more times okay Okay. uh uh, surprise surprise and i hope this doesn't offend you he was raised mormon okay yeah so uh not that that means anything I mean, it it means plenty, but I think we have yeah. a few more listeners. So. Yeah. So um, I left the church for a reason. We'll leave it at that. Welcome, welcome. Oh Tell my God! Home. I can't believe you're. <laughs> <laughs> we have just. Uh, I hope that our two listeners. I hope number one, they're not named Mike, and number two, they're not Mormon, because we just lost half of our listenership. Oh my God! Anyway. Oh. We made it to like number 39 in the podcast rankings this week. Shut up. We up. Uh-huh. And we're going back down because they're all named Mike. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> in the 70s, uh, Mike attended Rick's College in Rexenburg, Idaho, which is known today as Brigham Young University, Idaho. Just a little fun fact for you. While there, he met his first wife, Jackie Garcia, um, and they dated. And then in 1976, Mike was sent on his mission to Manila. Now, when he returned in 78, um, he married Jackie at the Salt Lake City LDS Temple, which is common, right, for Mormons. They go on a mission, they come back, and they're either with somebody when they leave, and they come back and get married, or they, you know, whatever. I guess that's common, right? I'm just kind of... Yes. It is very common. It is very common. So as you can probably guess, it was a very unhappy marriage. Mike was awful and selfish, and um, Jackie would actually describe him as extremely dishonest and violent. Now, um, they stayed together for a while. Uh, she stayed with him while he, uh, became a commercial pilot. And so that got him out of the house for periods of time, which I'm sure gives her a break, gives her a break. Jackie didn't mind it. I think that contributed to why the marriage lasted as long as it did, because she didn't have to be around him all the time because when he was around, he was a complete monster, but also uh, divorce is highly frowned upon in the church. Uh, yeah. And you will learn that Jackie did try everything she was supposed to try that I'm sure she was taught to try to, you know, save, uh, her marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, so later Jackie would recall that she often feared she would end up dead at his hands. And he was also, a master gaslighter. I think he like made gaslighting a thing before it was ever a thing. Um, 
she told a reporter that he could be caught by God himself in a lie and he would still deny it. Like he could be caught red-handed doing something wrong and he would still deny it and turn it around on you. Oh my God. Like, no, so I, this is a great guy we're talking about. Uh, this is a fantastic man. Um, now, like I told you before, Jackie didn't want to give up on the marriage. And even though he did physically abuse her and often picked fights with her, she did everything she could to seek help for him and for their marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, she went to the elders for advice. She sought marriage counseling through the church and outside of the church. Uh, she went to therapy herself. Uh, now, oftentimes, because Mike, and this is going to come up again later, would present himself so well to people who did not know him, um, and he was so good at lying, that initially, every person she went to, like every therapist, you know, elders that really didn't have a, a, a look into their private life, they would not believe her initially mm -hmm. they're like no this he seems like a great guy because he knew how to play the game right right and it was until they got to know him a little bit better that they would all like be like yeah he's an ass right and did he move them when people would catch on yeah like i think he would like give up or move on or like not go again or stop talking to whatever counselor or therapist or you know whatever i think as soon as like things weren't uh didn't shed a really great light on him and he was kind of seen for who he was he would kind of do like the uh not talking to you anymore uh i'm gonna make this even more difficult for you jackie like i think he would pull that game you yeah. know, uh, but Jackie really did everything she could. And as a matter of fact, they were together 10 years, wow. 10 years. She put up with this man and she also went on to have two children with him as well. Oh. Later, one of the children would admit to their mother that Mike had physically abused them too, like was a little too physically aggressive with them. Um, and so anyways, after staying through the abuse and lies and cheating and manipulation for 10 years, Jackie finally had it and she left, which high five to her because I, I feel like she did everything she could. She knew what she was married to and she got out. Yep. So by 1988, they were divorced and Mike quickly got over that and was soon married to wife number two, who was actually one of the many women that he had an affair with while married to Jackie, which Jackie, yeah, which Jackie would later find out. So now this is going to be a pattern, but wife number two had no idea that Jackie or had no idea that Mike was married while the affair was going on and would only come to find out after they had married, which I'm sure thrilled her to bits. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Can you imagine? No. Like after you've married this man, no. finding out that your essentially whole relationship yeah. has been one big lie, one big lie. And you're the affair. My first thought is that now you're going to do that to me. Like, well, um, actually, my first thought would be how many other women were there yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, if I didn't know that he was married, how many other women are there? E 
Exactly, 100%. So according to Jackie, that marriage to his second wife's wife basically went the same as her marriage with Mike. And mm-hmm. his second marriage ended as well, which no one's surprised there, right? I think once the second wife found out like what exactly was happening, I think his days were numbered after that and it just blew up in his face. Mm-hmm. And then he married yet again to another, you guessed it, person he was having an affair with while he was married to wife number two. Yep. Yeah. So, And, and how many times does this happen? Uh, this has now happened three times. I'm, how many more? Uh, you'll find out. Oh, Jesus. You will okay. find out. So basically what I'm trying to say is that Mike is a real winner here. And he's just racking up the wives left and right. Okay. I mean, honestly, at this point, he's worse than Michael Peterson. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Unfortunately, Cheryl Baker ended up with the awful honor of being Mike's third wife. Something okay. that after knowing more about her, you will come to realize you'll you'll be heartbroken because she just did not deserve that. She was sweet and caring and like wife number two, she most likely had no clue what was going on um, and that she had also been in an affair before he married her. So she she never knew that. Like he had cheated on his second wife with Cheryl then later married Cheryl and Cheryl had no idea that she had been the mistress basically. So I need to feel like, yes, would would that be grounds for annulment? I think it would, especially if like you find out, let's say you're you're already married. Yeah. Let's say you're a couple weeks into the marriage and you find that out because what I'm guessing happens is inevitably, I think the wife before is always like, listen, you know, I'm sure something like that happens. And so, yeah, I would be like, peace out. Especially if I had known the entire history, I'd be like, dude, yeah. this, you're like and a serial husband, basically. Like what? I, I don't understand. So. Like learn how to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. okay to be alone. Exactly. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit more about Cheryl, just because honestly, once you hear about Cheryl, she's just awesome. Cheryl was born in Detroit, Michigan in September of 1960 to her parents, Harold and Doris Baker. They were both teachers. So it's no surprise that later Cheryl becomes a teacher herself, which I find happens a lot. Like if both parents were teachers, I think the child like eventually becomes a teacher. I think they just see it as like a, it's like a passed down profession almost. She had three siblings and she loved bicycling with her father. In fact, every year, and this is super cute, Cheryl and her dad, uh, Harold, they would ride across Michigan together. Like they would do this like little bike trip both of them together, which I thought was super cute. Uh, the family was very active. She loved swimming, rafting, camping, um, being a family of two teachers, they took full advantage of summers off and they would like go on road trips, cruises, and just be together, just adventuring basically. Um, Cheryl loved the water and she became a certified lifeguard as a teenager. And then she moved to Utah after college 
which when there, she had zero problem making friends or finding a job because Cheryl was just that kind of person that was just friendly and sweet. And you could tell she was a good person. So anywhere she went, she would make friends and she wouldn't have trouble like finding places to fit in. Um, in 1984, Cheryl started working for the Utah School for the Deaf and Blind. And while working there, she returned to school to receive her master's in education so that she could continue her career at the School of the Deaf and Blind, but this time as like a certified teacher. And okay. Cheryl was actually the type of teacher that would go above and beyond for her students. She would always take that extra step or make that extra call to make sure she was providing her students with everything they needed to succeed. And at one point, she even became president of the Teachers Association for a couple of years. Like, that's how passionate she was about her career and about her students and just about being the best teacher she could be. Yeah. Um, she would date on and off through her life, but she never found the one, which I... I feel like that's so sad because she sounds like just <laughs> such a great woman, right? With this great, like giving, nurturing heart. But she also sounds like someone who was really devoted to her work. So maybe yeah. it was a combo of not really having the time to pour all that energy into two things, you know, like. Or like, it sounds like she was almost. Fulfilled by what yeah, she was she doing. Was she yeah. was happy enough doing yeah. all of this for her students. She didn't really, she didn't need more. Exactly. Which is great. That's awesome. The good news is she did find somebody much later on in life. The bad news is, is that it was Mike. It was Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah. Uh, when she met Mike, she was still still teaching. And at the time, Mike was working as a contract pilot. And they began talking and he quickly charmed her, obviously hiding that he was a true a-hole um, and that he was still married, which she had no idea. Basically, what I think Mike was able to do because he was a pilot was lead this double life, right? Uh, yeah. It to- gives... I mean, it's the perfect excuse. Yeah. Like, hey, honey, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be working. Yeah. And yeah. You don't know if he's actually flying. Exactly. You could be gone days, weeks at a time, and he could just be calling you saying, yep, I'm now I'm here and now I'm there. And back in the 70s, yeah. like, the, you can't, there wasn't any way to track that. So, and even now, like, even with cell phones and stuff, yeah. all you got to do is turn your phone off. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, I was flying, honey. Yep. True. True. Yeah. Um, after about four years of dating and while marriage number two for Mike was crashing and burning, um, they, once that was officially done, they got married, Cheryl and Mike did in Park City, Utah. And Cheryl was thrilled and she was so in love and Cheryl was off also crafty FYI she made her own wedding dress she like crocheted her own wedding dress oh she yeah. crocheted a wedding yeah, dress yeah yeah i know so she made her own wedding dress and now this is what i find very interesting because you know in the first two marriages mike sounds awful but oddly enough his marriage with cheryl went pretty well like even though they were completely different from one another, 
like Cheryl loved poetry and meditation and knitting and Mike loved guns and flying planes and his motorcycle. They Mm -hmm. both actually found a, a common thread that they could bond over. And that was being outdoors in nature. Like he loved it. She loved it. And so they like, it was good for them. And I think, I think for Mike too, he was getting older. So he was kind of slowing down a bit. He didn't have, I guess, all those man juices flowing. (laughs) I don't like that. I have to make a side comment here that like, I feel like I would get along really well with both of them. (laughs) Because I crochet and I do cross stitch, but I also really like my guns and my motorcycles. You would have, I think, see, I think had you met Cheryl and Mike, you would have been like, this is a fun couple. I like this. Yeah, just be friends with both just of them. Just be like, friends with both. Oh, Cheryl like, probably needed you. Like, FYI. Cheryl, you want me to keep an eye on your husband? I'll go out on a motorcycle <laughs> ride with him. And I followed him to the airport. He got on that plane. Now let me come home and we'll craft. Together. Yeah, we'll craft. We'll do some. We'll do some crafting, Cheryl. <laughs> um, now, interestingly enough. Cheryl was a practicing Hindu. And surprisingly, Mike learned Sanskrit with her. And they both attended the Hindu temple in South Jordan, Utah. Wow. Which was very interesting to me. By the way, um, that temple is beautiful. I have Really? The Hindu temple Um, in South Jordan? Yes. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Isn't that interesting? Sanskrit is so hard. Yeah, but and the fact that he was willing to learn that for her, so so I'm just guessing that their personalities really clicked. I don't yeah. know because and he sounds actually invested in this. Marriage. Yeah, yeah, and personal friends and colleagues of Cheryl describe the marriage, like seeing it from the outside, as loving and happy. Which again, that comes as a surprise to me when I was reading all of this because I mean. I don't know. People change, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Is it possible that Mike like changed into a better person? I mean, it could. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but we're also, we're doing a case about him. So yeah. Stay good for long. Well, but see, at this point in time, he how actually, do you know? Sounds like how do you know? At this point, you don't know if Cheryl just went nuts on him with a crochet needle. You don't know. Let's like listen to the story. You uh, know, based <laughs> on Mike, I would not blame her. <laughs> crochet needle could do some damage. Just and then afterwards, if you're um, if you're feeling guilty, you just knit him a shroud with uh, his intestines. It's uh, fine. There you go. Which I'm sorry, everybody, that none of that happens. So don't think I gave you any spoilers. Please don't go out and do that and say Crystal told me to do this. Exactly. In March of 2014, Mike and Cheryl purchased a a cute farmhouse in Idaho, um, which was all in Cheryl's name. And that's going to come up later. So just remember that. And the plan was to fix up the property on 216 South KCID Road. And like I said, cute little farmhouse, little by little. They were going to fix it up, make it a home, and eventually move to Idaho and into that house permanently to live out their life of retirement. Like they were both going to retire, and that's that was like the plan. 
Oh, so how old were they at this point? Um, so this is 2014, and she was born in 1960. So she's in her mid fifties. Yeah, and so is he. So she had often told friends and family that she was counting down the days uh, till she could live out her retirement, surrounded by nature with her husband, and they lived happily ever after. And that's it. That's no, it's not. <laughs> Don't even lie to me. You know that look on your face. I just wanted to do a love story. People change. Mike's a great guy. And they resided together peacefully on their little farmhouse. So, no, you know me. That's not what happened. (laughs) Sitting here telling you lies. I know. We're having a good night. I know. (laughs) So, now I am going to kind of switch gears on you really quick because I need to tell you about someone else. Okay. So I want to tell you about Najja Sassine. She was born in Germany in 1969. Now, not much is known of her upbringing in Germany, but later when she was of age, she moved to the United States and the rest of her family stayed in Germany. Now, as when I was researching her, I just get the feeling that she is the type of woman that's just independent and hardworking. So her, when she's of age, moving to the U.S. from Germany, it just makes sense for the rest of what you're going to hear about her. You know, she just, okay. just seems like just independent and and going her own way. Um, she eventually made her way to Utah where she met and married a man named Todd Medley. And they had a very sweet and loving marriage. And they tried and waited a long time to have children together. And unfortunately, their first pregnancy resulted in a loss shortly after birth, which they both were devastated by. So when um, she became pregnant again, um, they were elated and so in love with their daughter that they welcomed in 2002. Um, They named her Peyton and they were both amazing parents to her and they loved their daughter. You could tell they were both obsessed with her. Um, Both Todd and Najda worked at a pet store together, actually, um, while they were raising Peyton. Now, unfortunately, Todd died unexpectedly due to health complications in 2014. And yes. And so obviously heartbroken, Najja at 46 found herself a widow and a single mother. So um, at this point, Peyton is 12 years old. And because she's a single mom now and a widow, she just like, this tells you a lot about her. She went to work right away to ensure She had a stable future for her daughter, and she became a massage therapist, which had her working long hours um, just to make sure that Peyton never went without. Um, Friends would always gush about what a phenomenal mom she was to Peyton, and both daughter and mother were super close. Like, they had a very close bond. And Mm -hmm. everyone that surrounded the two said that their love for one another was just, like, very clear. Now, yeah. I mean, the the way they, like, the story of the family really sucks, but, like, it's sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. It's sweet that she's just, like... Her husband dies, so she, you know, 
she just wants to do what's best for her daughter and she just gets right to work, you know, which I'm sure was really hard to do. Um, especially when you find yourself alone and your entire family's in Germany, you know? So when Najda wasn't working or Peyton was in school, they would spend all their time together, uh, sharing the hobbies they both loved and their loved for their love for animals. Um, so it comes as no surprise that Peyton, uh, you know, 12 years old going into 13 was just a wonderful teenager, very sweet and down to earth. She excelled at school. She always made the honor roll. Um, she was actually a talented writer and she actually, because this was when all of this kind of social media was starting, she had a YouTube channel where she would just like chat about her day and just like her thoughts and like what, what writing she was working on and poems. It's just like super cute. It's just like a little YouTube channel that Peyton had where she's just like, like you were her friend and she was just chatting with you. Yeah, um, like one of those innocent kid channels. Yeah, yeah. Just like no agenda behind it. She just like wants to talk and put herself out there. Um, now in 2015, which is just a year after Todd had passed, Nadja met a man while working as what she was, her career now, a massage therapist. And they immediately hit it off. He was charismatic. He was nice. He showered her with attention, and most importantly, he was stable. He was Mormon, and he had been divorced for 10 years. She didn't really see any red flags, so she started a relationship with him right away. Her friends recall that this was the very first time they had seen her smile in a while and that she just had this constant glow about her, and they all just felt like she was truly happy again since, like, you know, the devastating loss of her husband. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, this man was, drum roll, please. No drum roll necessary. (laughs) This was fucking Mike. And well, he spent so long. Do we know? I'm sorry. What? So this was, this is 2015. So this is while he is also with Cheryl. But, is this the first time that he cheated on Cheryl? Were there other well, women? I'm sure there were other women prior to this. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So while he seemed very nice and stable, Naja had no idea that Mike was still married to Cheryl when they started their right. relationship. As a matter of fact, she had zero clue that Cheryl even ex- existed. For all she knew, he had been divorced for 10 years. Oh, my God. Like, she was just like, this is a nice guy, and he likes being with me. And he was actually, like, good with Peyton. When she finally brought Mike around Peyton, like, he was very good to her. And um, when she felt this was going to be a long-term thing, they started to uh, do family things together. And he quickly filled that fatherly role with Peyton, um, with, without being too much. Like, Mm. I I think he was very, and I don't even know why I'm going to say this, but I think he was very sensitive to the fact that she lost her father and, and the age she was when she lost her father, that's like a real crucial age. And I think he, he like stepped up, which 
I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. It's like what a shitty fucking thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you know that Cheryl's at home knitting and putting her love into teaching, and here's this asshole, right? Cheryl's not at home. They divorced ten years ago. What are you talking about? No, they didn't. They were still together at this time. I know. That's what I'm uh, saying. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, they started doing a lot of things together, uh, like family activities, hiking, picnics, sports events, fairs, rodeos, concerts, and more. Um, Mike was fun, caring, and loving. He loved to shower uh, both mother and daughter with just attention and things. And this did not go unnoticed because from the outside, every, you know, all of Naja's family and everyone that knew Peyton they saw them and they truly looked like a happy family of three. So two years later, Naja is now 48. She makes a post on Facebook, which is a huge announcement that she's making. And mm-hmm. on March 25th, 2017, she writes, we're moving. That's right. A new home has been found. And Mike Payton she tagged her daughter Peyton and I are moving in together. Boise, here we come. So the house they found, this house she's talking about, is, is that the farmhouse? A picturesque farmhouse surrounded oh by nature on 216 South KCID Road, Boise, Idaho. The very same house you remember, which is in whose name? Uh-huh. Cheryl's name. Oh, my God. I cannot even. Uh-huh. The same house that Cheryl, this whole time, has been looking forward to spending her retirement in with her loving and faithful husband, Mike. Oh, my God. Now, where was Cheryl at this time, you ask? Which you didn't ask, but I was expecting you to. Cheryl is now 56, and she's living in Utah with Mike. And she's used to not seeing him for days at a time because, again, he was a pilot. And as a matter of fact, in 2015, when he met Najda, she retired from the School of Death and Blind. And now she was teaching art at a local charter school because she was Cheryl and she loved teaching and she loved art. So she was just like living her life and excited to be doing things she loved to do, which still included teaching because bless her heart. And she was just looking forward to this new venture and move into the farmhouse soon. I I think you just like shut my brain down because yeah. I cannot comprehend this. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Keep going. Now, Mike was spending a lot of time at their new farmhouse because all along the plan was to have Cheryl stay behind in Ogden, Utah, so she could sell their home, pack the rest of their belongings, and then be ready for a permanent move to the house that Mike, oddly enough, surprise, surprise, took ownership of in on May 3rd, 2017. How did he take ownership of it? I don't know. I think did he he must have talked Cheryl into something or that was... Either that or he forged her signature. Something. Something. Okay. Now... I don't like any of this. So the plan was... 
like I said, she was going to, Cheryl was going to pack up everything, right? Sell the house. And that's what she was doing. Like Cheryl was keeping up her end of the bargain and she uh-huh. was actually supposed to arrive to the farmhouse sometime in late June. So fast forward to June 6, 2017. Peyton's best friend, Sydney Call, texts Peyton and she does not get a response. And this is something that never happens. Like Peyton is a teenager. Of course, she's going to text back, right? Right. Now, Najda had been planning to drive back to Ogden, Utah to pick up her horses to drive them to their new farmhouse property in Boise. But she never showed to Ogden, Utah to pick up the horses. Mm-hmm. Now, Sydney, Peyton's best friend, and Sydney's mom knew something wasn't right. So so they just kept trying to get in contact with them, trying to get in contact with them. They couldn't. They kind of like were justifying it. They're busy with the move. They're, you know, they're super whatever. Finally, yeah. on June 19th, after not hearing from Peyton or Najda, Sydney's mother called the police and requested a farewell check. Farewell. <laughs> requested a welfare check. That's ominous. Farewell check. That's ominous. Uh, requested a welfare check to... 216 South KCID Road. Now, mm-hmm. when local Boise police showed up at the property, which was completely quiet and serene, they immediately noticed a awful smell coming from one of the broken down sheds off the corner of the property. Mm-hmm. They investigated, and inside were three bodies, each with a single gunshot wound to the head. Oh, my God. Right next to the shed, they also discovered three dogs dead in the same fashion. Yeah. What? Yeah. And that's where I'm going to end part one. What a fucking monster. Yeah. But, I mean, Mike could be one of the bodies in the shed, right? We don't know. I don't think he's a body in the shed. He might be a body in the shed. I don't think he's a body in the he shed. He might be a body in the shed. Maybe. Why would, you, why would you kill three dogs? What is the point of killing three dogs? Just set them loose if you're not going to take care of them. How, how do we know the dogs didn't do it? The dogs <laughs> pulled the trigger. And then shot themselves in the head. Obviously. <laughs> it could okay. happen. It could happen. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you there. And okay. The theme, the moral of the story is do not trust anyone named Mike or commercial pilots. There you go. You've been warned. You're welcome. That is your life nugget from me to you, free of charge. Um, you don't know how accurate you are. <laughs> In saying, do not trust pilots. (laughs) I know. I know. All of the stereotypes are. I'm sure it is. Oh, there. Now we lost our one pilot listener as well. (laughs) They are just dropping like flies. Who else can we scare off? (laughs) Who else can we offend right now? Oh, so right now here at the end of the episode, I have to tell you something. Uh We have our record for our youngest listener. What? 
at one year old. <laughs> Who is that? Well, uh, I got a message from an Instagram follower. Uh, who was very nice, and I won't name her, but yeah. she's, uh, she said very nice things. She said she, her husband, and her one-year-old child listened <laughs> to us together. Uh, I, I bet the one-year-old just loves my cackle. I bet that's just, like, soothing to that one-year-old's ear. <laughs> that one-year-old is going, yep, that's some sweet noise coming out of there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's um, nice. We're a family affair. That's you know what? I like that. That's very sweet. We are. Yeah. Oh, good. You know, we uh, we tell stories of love. We inspire uh, <laughs> bonding through love. Life nuggets. Life nuggets that I just drop on you guys for free. Come on. Like, you're not going to get any advice. Whether they're valuable <laughs> or not. <laughs> it's there. It is there. Yeah. So... Uh... Okay. All right. Um, I guess we'll, we'll have come to back. wait to part two. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing. And it's a doozy. Two, it's a doozy. I'm guessing part two is going to be much longer than part one. I'm just. Uh, yes. Part two is going to be longer than part one. I mean, kind of. But yeah. Okay. A girl's got to research. So yeah. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Right. I hope you guys have a good night. And thank you for listening. I'm so happy that I, because you get all the emails, so I don't know. So whenever you tell me these things, I always, it's always nice. So I know. And I, I don't know if people are aware of this, but you know, anytime you email or message, hi, it's me. Um, <laughs> I, it's I not me. It's not me. <laughs> I don't sign the emails or like anything. Yeah. I actually try and present it as if it could be either yeah. one of us. But <laughs> hi, you're talking to me. Hello. I appreciate you. Um, I use a lot of emojis and exclamation points because I don't know how to accept compliments. So... <laughs> And if it was me answering the emails, I would probably just do it mentally and you would never Thanks. get a response. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. And then I'd go to the next message and never respond to you. So it's better this way. And I actually like hearing about the emails, like when you tell me after the fact, because it's like, oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank so, you. Um, yes, we will. We'll see everybody in a couple of yeah. weeks. Have a great life. <laughs> <laughs>